Right, well, hey, good morning if you're watching this live. Good afternoon or evening if you are watching it at a different uh, time. As far as the answer to the Nally's question, uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> uh, the I care one day, and I pray for the Chicago Bears to one day have a quarterback. We've never had one, but one day we will. And when that happens, I will care again. Um, but to all my Kansas City fans, if I guess if I was rooting for a one, I would root for the Chiefs just because I uh, help oversee a church in Kansas City, and they're near and dear to my heart. And actually, Mike and Tiff Orta uh, say hello. Uh, they are actually preaching at the church in Kansas City I was just talking about. And so, uh, yeah, they text this morning. They say hello to the Voice Church family and everyone at Church of Four Corners that watches in and also you guys tune in weekly. Uh, man, we are rooting for you, and uh, go Chiefs, I guess. But really, go Wings and Cheese Curds today. Uh, all right, so... You know, it was wild. When we first got here, we get here around 9 o'clock to set up and that kind of thing, and it was pretty foggy, actually. It, for the whole the whole yard, you couldn't see anything out there. It was just a wall of fog, and it was actually pretty chilly. Um, what's interesting is when the sun came out, it, it kind of the fog went away, and obviously it warmed up immediately. And I was thinking during worship, uh, man, isn't that what the Spirit of God does? When the Spirit of God comes in, there's clarity. Fog goes away, and it's warm. There's warmth, and there's life there. And I, I was just thinking, especially in light of what we're about to talk about, uh, we're about to talk about relationships. And I know during this season, I've heard more often uh, than any other season of ministry I've been in, there's this tension and unique, unique pressure points with relationships in particular in this season. And this season of quarantine and pandemic and politics and racial tension and all that kind of stuff, this didn't uh, make relationships weak. It didn't cause tension in relationships. I think it revealed what was already there hiding under uh, the surface. And so, man, uh, hopefully if you invite the Spirit of God into this conversation, hopefully it, it brings about some, um, some clarity and some um, warmth and hope for life for the future. Uh, but like I said, we're, we're actually pausing. We're, we're, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke for the past Oh, gosh, year and a half-ish. We're going to take a three-week pause on that to talk about relationships because of what we just talked about. Now, there's unique tensions in our relationships uh, right now. And so we're going to do a three-week series called Love Handles. Uh, we're helping you get a grip on love and relationships uh, because, well, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I have more love handles on me, and practically speaking, than I would like to have. And I would love to have a greater grip on love and relationships in general. So today we're going to talk about specifically the dating and marriage relationships. Next, we're going to talk more about general uh, relationships in general. And then the week after, we'll talk about relationships even more general uh, than that. But here's why we're talking about relationships today. Few things have, the, have an impact on our lives like relationships do. I don't know if anything actually has, a, has an impact on our lives as much as relationships do. Gary, Gary Smalley, if you're familiar with him, he says that life is relationships. Life is relationships. The rest is just details. Life is relationships. The rest is just details. And as I've been in ministry now for uh, over 20 years, I've seen this to be true. And you can't do ministry for more than a day without helping people navigate relationships, not just dating relationships, but family and spouse. And my parents are getting older, and how do I deal, especially when you throw all the masks and politics and race and all this stuff going on. There's lots of, I guess, uh, fodder for conversation uh, in the last uh, while. Uh, married people, you know that putting a ring on it doesn't change uh, anything, really. It changes, it, does, it changes your life, but it doesn't change your personality. It doesn't change your soul. It doesn't change your weaknesses. It doesn't change your blind size. It, it doesn't change your brokenness, right? We can look at people who have kids, and we think, man, to have kids, they've arrived. But then you know, if you have kids, 
that many times kids just simply multiply problems, right? They multiply uh, problematic behavior. It doesn't solve problems. You're still the same person before you had kids, but now you have more problems, more tensions to fill. And because I'm a pastor, I feel like I wear multiple hats. I, 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 I play the role of counselor. I play the role of conscience many times for people in the church. I play the role of confessional. Uh, people tell me things that I'm pretty sure they probably shouldn't be telling me. I play the role of mediator between relationships many times. Um, people will tell me things that I'm confident I, I shouldn't know. But what happens so many times when I'm talking to people specifically about relationships is, is I think this over and over again. How did you not see that coming? How did you not see that situation coming? Didn't your mom ever tell you or didn't your parents ever teach you or didn't you realize that if you were to go down that path that this is where it would end up? But then relationships and rules around relationships are constantly shifting. And the rules that were 15, 20 years ago about, about relationships don't all apply right now. The rules of relationships in one season of life, the rules of relationship when you are 15 years old, just when you think you've mastered those and you go into high school and you go into college and then you get married and you have kids and you have empty nesters and all those different stages, just when you get a handle on the relationships in one season, everything shifts. So where do we learn to navigate relationships? The reason why we're taking three weeks is because I don't think there's many places in society where we learn to have healthy relationships, where we learn to navigate them. The relationships around us? Maybe, maybe. If, if they're good relationships, if your parents or friends had great relationships, they're examples. If your parents or friends had bad relationships, dysfunctional relationships, toxic relationships, then they're warnings. If they had good relationships, then they give you hope. But if your parents had a bad relationship, they make you think, what's the point of dating and marriage in general? Maybe we learn relationship advice from leaders. You know the weird paradox with leadership is the grind and hustle and focus and determination, the grit that makes someone rise into leadership positions, many times is the very thing that penalizes their relationships. That I've met some great leaders, I'm sure you have too, great leaders. They're, for all intents and purposes, successful in their area of expertise, but at the detriment of their close relationships. And you know what the old saying, don't, don't ever meet your heroes. And though sometimes the closer you get to your leaders, the more you realize, actually, I don't want their marriage. Actually, I don't want their relationship with their kids. So where do we learn relationships from? Where do we learn how to have healthy relationships? From churches? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes churches can give, can give great leadership advice, and sometimes churches can give antiquated, out-of-touch rules where we think, what century are you in? Or we just simply say, do this, but we don't give the why, right? We say, okay, your dress should be this long, or the, I went to a used to go to church where the, the girl's spaghetti straps, I think that's what they're called, had to be like a, a certain width, because everyone knows that Jesus said, you know, one inch width on your spaghetti straps, certain length of your skirts, right? Why, why, why? So, the rules can be this kind of like do these things or you're busted. Do these things or Jesus doesn't love you. There are rules. We call them convictions in the faith. There are some rules that your parents, your leaders, a church, your spouse, the person you're dating may say, 
we would like for you to live by these guidelines. And the reason for that is not that they want something from you, but they want something for you. They want to lead you to a healthy life. Think about this way. Say you're saving up to buy a house or to go on vacation after quarantine or whatever. Um, and so you talk to someone helping you budget, and they say, you know what? We need to limit the number of lattes you have. Or you probably just need to delete the Amazon app because there's a package coming every day, right? That's, that's kind of our household, actually. But, right, so you're like, I don't know why I can't get ahead financially, but I have on my, on my third Starbucks of the day, and I, I'm, I'm spending $100 a day on Amazon. Well, that could be why. And the thing is, they're not against lattes, and they're not against you getting next-day delivery. What they're, what they're for is for you having a healthy financial life and for you to hit your goals. It's the same way. There's some guidelines that we're going to give you or we believe the Holy Spirit will illuminate for you. And it's not to have to take something from you, keep something from you. It's because God wants something for you. A lot of times we're missing the why from the rules. So the big why for us, why we're having a relationship series, why we're focusing on relationships, is because of one thing. When God created in Genesis chapter 2, I believe Genesis is less a science textbook. It's more about who created and why God created. And God says that it's not good for man to be alone. He created all these other things. He created mosquitoes and dirt and said it's good. And then he created man out of his own image, used himself as a blueprint and said it's not good. Why? It's not good for man to be alone. That we're created to be in relationship. Right? And we felt that, right? Like Zoom helps. Facebook Live helps, YouTube helps to stream church, but it, there's just something different. There's something missing. So thankful that we live in an era where we can video chat with friends. It's not the same, though, is it? We feel a, a, a connection, but we know we're in hard line into our DNA is built for relationships. And I think a lot of the tension for us has been how do we live into our calling as living for relationships, but also live, to, live into our calling as being good social humans and not spreading COVID. So it is not good for man to be alone. You got to know that you can have healthy relationships. Can I tell you, some of you guys, as I was preparing this, I felt like some of you guys need to know you can have healthy relationships. Some of you guys, I, I know, feel like, well, my parents, my grandparents, I've always had dysfunctional. I've never seen a healthy relationship. And you've given up hope. I know some people have said written off marriage in general. Written off dating in general because I will never. You don't know. You can have healthy relationships. So who's this series for? I don't want you to check out because you're single because you think it's all about marriage. I don't want you to check out if you're married because you think it's all about those that are single and ready to mingle. Right? This is for anyone who wants to have a healthy dating and marriage relationship one day. This series is for anybody who wants to have a healthy dating or and or married relationship one day. That may mean you're dating right now. That may mean you're married right now. That may mean you're single right now. But if you want to have a healthy dating and marriage relationship one day, this is for you. This is a look at how we get to the destination of a healthy monogamous relationship with the person we love. Who's this series not for? Who's going to get frustrated with this series? If you are someone who, couldn't think of a better word for it, but like a serial dater, right? Not like you date like Lucky Charmers, but you date over and over and over again, like you're a serial dater, right? If you are not into commitment, if you are into dating for the game of it, if you want to see what you can get them to do for you, if you think dating is about entertainment or boredom avoidance, this is not for you. You're going to get really frustrated at what we're asking you to do because you have a different 
true north is what we believe we have. But can I challenge you, even if you find yourself in that boat, don't write this off. Don't write this off because one day, one day, you may change your mind. You may be in a different chapter in your life and you're going to want to revisit this. There's an important principle that we need to focus in on today. And it's that couples that I counsel over and over again don't realize that their past will resurface in their future. That their past will resurface in their current relationships. That we want to compartmentalize, especially the guys, and say, no, that was me five years ago. Yes, but you are still you. Here's what you understand. Your present, your present will become your past. You understand that? Your current present will become your past and will resurface in your future. Your current will become your past and it will resurface in the future. Look, if I were to give you something really awkward to hold, like my daughter has this gigantic beanbag. Like it is the size not even kidding, full-size bed. I would say a full-size bed. I mean, Natalie, am I, am I joking? I mean, it took four of us to carry it through the house, smush it into the hallway so to get it to fit. And it's not because it was heavy. It was just awkward, and they decided not to put any handles on it. This can be like dating love and, or navigating love and relationships. So what we want to do through the Love Handle series is give you some handles. All right, to give you some handles to help you get a grip on this thing called love and relationships. So three quick points. Again, this week is just more of an overview. Next week, we'll dive in more. Number one, there are no relationship problems. And I know some of you guys are like, you are on crack, Taka. There are, but there are no relationship problems. There are people with problems who get into relationships. It's a huge difference. There are not, these are the things that we deal with, there are not relationship problems. Do you know what relationship problems are? Relationship problems are like, um, uh, what are the rules around the toilet seat? Who puts it up? Who puts it down? Like, if you sp splash, who cleans it up? Like, those, those rules, those are relationship rules. Do you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle or the bottom? Do you put the cap on? If the goo hardens on top, what do you do with that? Those are relationship rules. Those are relationship problems. The rest of the stuff we actually deal with are people problems. Two single people who had problems who got together. See, those aren't marriage problems. Those are people problems. And when we get into relationships, we drag our pasts or our current futures into them. This is why over and over again the Bible talks about this idea of personal accountability, right? Not worrying about what someone else does, even despite horrendous situations. Like I keep on going back to like the, the, the book to the church in Philippi the letter to the church in Philippi, where they were being persecuted. Like persecuted, not like getting made fun of at the lunch table kind of persecuted, but like being executed, kind of persecuted. Yet Paul says, have joy, have joy. He talks about joy more in that letter than any other letter he writes. What he's saying is you have personal responsibility to make a decision on your actions regardless of what they do. So this idea of personal accountability. So point number one is there are no relationship problems. There's only people problems that we bring into our relationships. Number two promises don't replace preparation. Promises don't replace preparation. This one is so important. We can think that we can live one way now while we're dating. And then when we go to an altar 
and we put a ring on, we change. Right? I can live one way here. We can live together. We can do all this stuff. I can serial date. And then when I put a, when I put a ring on, it's like magic. I become a different person. But it doesn't. I tell young adults all the time. Getting married doesn't turn a boy into a man. Getting married gives man-sized problems to a boy. You bring yourself into this. There's this idea that, well, practice makes perfect, but it's not true. Practice makes permanent. Case in point, if you ever want to Google it, it's a hilarious thing to Google. You guys know Charles Barkley, right? Have you ever watched his golf swing? It's the funniest thing ever. It's, it looks like it's an SNL skit, but it's for real. Like, if you're bored right now and you're like, blah, 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 just Google Charles Barkley golf swing. Okay, and here's the thing. It is the weirdest thing. He's paid so much money to hire swing coaches to help correct his swing. Like, it is the weirdest swing. Think of the weirdest swing you think of and then multiply it by 100. It is weird. He golfs all the time. He loves golf. It's not a matter of practice. It's not a matter of training. It's just he's done it one way so long, it's become permanent. It's become etched, and he literally cannot change it. That's why how you date when you're single is so important. It's so important. Be careful not to develop a relationship short attention span where you change the scenery whenever it gets hard. You change the scenery whenever they get boring. You change the scenery whenever uh, you have arguments or you've done all you can with that person so you want a new person. What you're doing is you're preparing for a lifestyle that goes against your marriage promise one day. Some of us watching right now, here in person or online, are battling with that. And here's the big idea, is that you cannot promise, you cannot commit, you cannot vow your way out of a lack of preparation. Imagine if I had to pass the bar exam, right? <laughs> Some of us in church are, are, recently passed the bar exam. Imagine if I had to pass the bar exam and I get to the big test day, right? And the, 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 the person doing the exam says, have you prepared for this test? And I say, I promise to get a good grade. No, no, I vow to get a good grade. I've read books. I've talked to my friends. I've prayed about getting a good grade. No, no, have you prepared? Have you pre are you ready for this? Have you built a habit of studying so that you're ready for this? No, I haven't done that. See, you can't promise, you can't vow your way out of a lack of preparation. So don't make a vow that you aren't prepared to keep. Don't make a vow that you aren't prepared to keep. Notice I didn't say that you aren't committed to keep, that you aren't prepared to keep. How do you know if you're prepared to keep a marriage vow? Your past and current behavior. You know this. Past behavior is the best indicator of future behavior. Are you living in a way that would honor a marriage vow. Be wise. If you're single, if you're dating, can I challenge you? Be careful. Be careful if you catch yourself telling your friends and your family, oh, no, no, you don't know him or her like I do. You don't know them like I do. Oh, no, no, they're not like that anymore. Oh, no, 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 this time is different. What your friends and family are saying is, no, 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 past behavior is an indicator of future behavior. You're prepared, they're prepared for a different 
path than what you think you want. And just because you've prepared a certain way, you can't promise or vow or commit your way on a different path. You can only prepare yourself for a different path. Proverbs 14 says this, that the simple believe anything. The simple believes anything. Oh, this time will be different. They'll believe it. The simple do that. Then it says the prudent give thought to their steps. The prudent give thought to their steps. So what do you do right now if you're in a committed relationship and things aren't that great? What if you're, what if you're sitting there going, cool, talking, thanks. I wish you would have told me this five years ago, ten years ago. I'm kind of stuck right now, right? Look, we all know this from physics, right? Objects in motion tend to what? Stay in motion. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion unless a force acts upon it, right? Object in motion stay in motion unless a force acts upon it. And we've talked about this so many times, but direction, not intention, determines destination. So if you're going in a certain way, how do you create a new direction? If, you're, if your relationship is going a certain way, you're going, this is not good. I wish you would have told me this five years ago, Taka. How do we get a new direction? I know this is the pastor thing to say. But it's real. How do you set a new direction in your relationship? Jesus. <laughs> I know it's like such like the cheesy Christian thing to say, but I mean it. If your relationship is going south, I have one question for you. First, I'm not, it's not going to solve everything, but it sets the right thing in motion first. It's the right thing to f- worry about first is how are you and Jesus? Really? How are you and Jesus? Really? I'm not asking how, how often you go to church. I'm not asking how much you serve. I'm not asking if you're in a small group. I'm not asking if you give financially. I'm asking how are you and Jesus really? Like, how would Jesus say you and him are doing? How much have you invited and embraced the direction of the Holy Spirit into your personal life? Is he just counselor? Kind of your consultant on the side? Or is he your leader, your Lord? How much have you invited and embraced the direction of the Holy Spirit into your life, into your marriage? After that, find community. If you're going, me and Jesus are great. Find community. Weird things grow in the dark, in isolation. Find community. I know it's weird right now with Zoom and all kind of stuff, but we're going to be in this thing for a while. We've been in this thing for a while. So if you've been waiting for the other side of this thing, the best time was yesterday to get in a small group. We'd love to help you find one. So find community. Find other people in a like stage as you. So you can at least encourage each other, challenge each other, have a group therapy session together, but find community. And then within that, find mentorship. Find mentorship. Find a couple that is further along than you, that has the kind of relationship you want. And here's the thing. The best mentorship couples will always feel like they have nothing to give. They have nothing to teach. So if you go to a couple that you you resonate with and you want to learn from them, they're going to be super intimidated if you say, will you, be, will you mentor us as a couple? They're going to think, I don't have a curriculum to give you. What you do is you go out on a regular basis, once a month. And if you're open and honest with them, if you turn off the filter with them and allow them to see your relationship as it really is, they're going to intuitively have red flags. They're going to intuitively go, why do you talk like that? Why did you end that conversation? Why did you shut them down like that? Why did, why did you just get shut down? Why did you feel like you just had to stop talking? What is going on? Explain this to me. And if you just live life with them and are open and honest enough, they will have red flags. But 
to end point number two, preparation, not promise. Preparation, not promise, is what it takes. Preparation in anything takes work, whether it be meal prep (laughs) or preparing for a test or preparing for a healthy marriage. It takes time. It takes investment. You can never drift there. In the same way, you'll never drift to being ready for the big exam. You'll never drift to having nice little portion control meals prepped for you for the weekend. You'll never drift to a healthy marriage. You won't. You can't just pick up your feet, go with the currents of culture, and drift to a healthy marriage. Some of us are wondering why our relationship isn't great. Because some of us have simply just stopped steering. Stop trying. We've stopped adding energy to it. We're just lifting our feet up and just wondering why we aren't drifting towards the kind of marriage we want. Put intentionality. Put time into it. You can't promise your way there. You can't commit your way there. You can't intend your way there. You can only set a direction and set aside space to prepare. Lastly, point number three, worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. There's an old uh, video where we get, we get gets kicked around our, our, our like, family chat all the time. It's just this kid saying, worry about yourself, worry about yourself. Because we want to instill in our kids, focus on you, not in a selfish way, but change yourself, and then you'll be in a position to change other people. But worry about yourself first. I remember when I was growing up in, in Chicago, I was probably eight, nine years old. And I remember vividly the moment I was in my sleeping bag because I was sleeping in my brother's room because he's four years older and that was really cool. So I was sleeping in, in, my, in my sleeping bag. Uh, I think it was all like a, like a, like a space-themed sleeping bag. It's blue. I vividly remember this. Kind of scratchy. And I had these headphones that had built-in um, radio tuners. That's an old-fashioned sentence. But I had th- these headphones, and they were yellow, and they had built-in radio tuners. They were, they were pretty hot in the day, you know, in, in the late 80s. And the... I would always listen to B96 or Q101. Those of you guys are watching from the Chicagoland area. I think they're still around. And this song came on by Michael Jackson. And it said, I'm talking to the man in the mirror. You guys remember that song? I'm talking to the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to make a change. Because if you want to make the world a better place, you got to look at yourself and make a change. Some guys are like singing like right now in your head, right? But it's true. It's true. Things in just about every group of people get better when they focus on changing themselves first. This is why, you know, every time you fly in an airplane, they give you the rules like, here's how you use a seatbelt, right? And they always say, put the oxygen on yourself first instead of your kids. And the first time you hear it, the first time you fly, you think that's really selfish. Until you realize, if I try to change somebody else, it's going to go bad. The best way I can help is to focus on me first. And we know this to be true with leadership. We are repelled by leaders who are hypocritical, that don't do what they say, right? We're repelled by that, but we're drawn to leaders. Even if they are the most talented, but we're drawn to leaders that practice what they preach. So, in the church context, you want a spiritual renewal? You want to have a place that has this kind of culture of prayer, culture of worship, culture of evangelism? You can either like yell at everybody else for not having that, or you can say, do I have a culture of prayer? Do I have a culture of worship? Do I have a culture of evangelism? Instead of saying, that church, that leader, that Christian, that person on TV is so, okay, how are you doing with it? The vast majority of relationship tension in my life and in the couples that I meet with is from this one thing. Different kind of variation, but this whole idea. Taka, if they would just, 
than I would. If they would just start doing this, if they would just stop doing this, the reason why I'm so angry all the time is because they. The reason why I have no peace is because of they. The reason why I have no joy is because of they. And we say all the time, worry about yourself. In our family, our girls sometimes get in arguments, like constantly, about super important world issues, like who's going to hold the leash when they take their dog for a walk, right? Super important issues that it's World War III kind of stuff, right? Supreme Court issues. And we always say the same thing. They come running up to us, mom, dad, blah, 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 blah. What, we, what do we say every single time? Who should you worry about? Who can you control? Who can you control? Who are you trying to control? How's that working out for you? Who can you control? Me. Who are you trying to control? Her. How's that working out for you? Not good. Literally, verbatim. You could, like, sing along with them. Who are you trying to control? Me or them. Who can you control? Me. How's that working out for you? Not good. I'm sorry. I'll hold the leash. Right? I'm going to say the same thing for you. You got relationship tension? You're like, talking. my life is way more complicated. No, it's not. No, it's not. That tension with your boss, with your neighbor, with your spouse, your kids, your dad, it's the same thing. Who can you control? Who can you control? Yeah, but talk if they just, no, no, no. Who can you control? Okay. Who are you trying to control? How's that working out for you? Who can you control? Who are you trying to control? How's that working out for you? Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. What if we focus on becoming the right person instead of meeting the right person? What if we focus on becoming the right spouse instead of training our spouse to be better for us? See, side note, when we make a commitment to somebody, you aren't committing to who you can train them to be, right? You aren't committing to who they will be one day if you can get all your ducks in a row. You are committing to love and accept and encourage them as they currently are. So here's the big question. Are you the person the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you the person the person you're looking for is looking for? If you're married, are you the person, you're, are you the person that the person you're married to wants to be married to? Are you the person that the person you're married to wants to be married to? If you're dating, are you the person that the person you're dating wants to be dating? Well, but if they just, no, no, no. Who can you control? Are you the person that the person you're dating wants to be dating? Are you the person that the person you're married to wants to be married to? What if he focused on you? What if he focused on you? There's a lot we can talk about. We're going to take the next two weeks to unpack this. This is just a cursory overview of the meta narrative of relationships. But if worship team wants to come up, last few challenges here. If you're single, if you're single right now, evaluate what direction you're heading in. Honestly, honestly. Evaluate what direction you're heading in as a person. Don't just fight to get out of this season. Embrace this season. It's an awesome season. Paul said there's so many benefits to being single. So if you're single, evaluate what direction you're heading in, honestly. How do you feel about that? What would it look like for you to, pre for you to prepare to be the person you're looking for is looking for? To be the kind of person you're, that the person you're looking for is looking for. If you're dating right now, evaluate your behavior as a dating couple. You may eventually get married. You may not. Right? Not like Debbie Downer, but you may eventually get married, but you may not. But if you don't get married to the person you're currently dating, consider this. That the person you're dating could be someone else's future spouse. And consider this that someone else may be dating your current spouse or your future spouse, hopefully not your current spouse, 
the person, there may be someone dating your future spouse. If the former is true, then we got other things we really need to talk about, about biblical relationships. Anyways, but consider that someone else may be dating your future spouse. How would you want them to date? What behavior would you want them to have? So if you're dating right now, what behavior would prepare you to have a lifestyle that could handle the promise you'll make one day? Lastly, if you're married, if you're married right now, it's game on. You're not in spring training. It's not preseason. You're in the game. There are times when you celebrate the wins. There are times when you'll make good decisions. There's times when you win and there's sometimes you learn. Sometimes you make great decisions and sometimes you need a course correct. But in all games, and we'll see this today in the Super Bowl, but in all games there are timeouts. Sometimes annoyingly so, right? But there are timeouts. Why? To pause and say, do we need to change direction to alter the course of the game? All of us that are in marriage relationships right now just need to take a timeout. And you may say, time out. No, we're good. We're good. Let's keep going. But you may take a time out and go, let's skip the Sunday afternoon nap and let's really talk through this. Because I don't think we're headed to a good place. But I think we can be. As an individual, stop trying to change them. Married people, stop trying to change your spouse. Newsflash, you can't. You can't. It's only going to tick them off and tick you off too. It's never going to go to a good place. Worry about yourself. A society in general that we're all a part of, ethically, morally, even financially, is built on families. So are churches. And families are built on marriages. And marriages are built on broken people that bring their brokenness into relationships. So societal change, we all want to bring kingdom of heaven here to earth. Societal change won't come from new legislation. Societal change will never come from Washington. No law can change a human heart. No law from Washington can reconcile a relationship. No law from Washington can rekindle love in a marriage or cause you to focus on becoming the person God is calling you to become. Only you can do that with the hope of the Holy Spirit. So I challenge you to do that. I'm going to pray for us, and if there's anything we can do as a church to help you down this path, we're in. We're in. If you're in a spot in your dating or marriage relationship or engaged relationship, and you're, or maybe you're single, whatever, and you're going, Taka, I need help. I, I need help believing that it's possible. I need help navigating this season of my life as it relates to relationship. We're here. Call, text, DM, email, show up at my house, like whatever it takes. Let's talk. Let's pray. Let's work through this. There is hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. Let me pray for us. God, we just give you our lives. We have a few short decades on this planet. We want them to count, God. God, you say that we're not, we're not made to be alone. We're wired for relationships. Would you help us to have hope in those again? Would Voice Church be full of healthy marriages, not perfect marriages, but healthy marriages full of broken people with grace and love and encouragement working on making it more focused on you. Inviting you to the center of our brokenness. Surrendered to you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you want to stand to your feet, let's sing this one last song together.